this song was written by Yishai Ribo. It's Poteach Et Yadecha. Um, it's written by Yishai Ribo, but it's a bunch of different singers. You have Moshe Peretz, Akiva, whose father is like a Rosh Hashiva. They're, they're, they're all religious in Peretasi. They're all... Uh, Akiva's father is Rosh Yeah. Of where? I'm not, I forget, but he's, he's also Sephardic. They're all Sephardim. Um, they're all religious as far as I know. Uh, and, um, and they collaborated on the singing of the song, but the lyrics are attributed to uh, Yishai Ribo. So um, it's, I think it's very, very beautiful and very moving. And it was actually composed with the intent of it being for this time of year, which I didn't realize when I first suggested um, studying the song. I like it because it's a sort of different vibe than Sibata Sibot because it's, you know, it's, it's a more uh, reflective, slower song. Uh, a totally different kind of a beat and totally different kind of a key um, than Sibata Sibot. But it's all, it also has this religious sentiment that's very beautiful. What so, mean, Yeah, it means uh, different artists. Like you would say various artists or something like that, yeah. So various Israeli artists. So like if you watch the video, you'll see each section is being sung by one of four different guys. And I think Shweki actually made an, an English version of the song with the same... Uh, or maybe it was, or maybe we got Elbaz. One of the, one of the guys from that that does English music. He he made an English version of the song, but it's not the same words. It's not. It's just the same. You know, it's it's maybe the same theme. Anyway, so what's the what's the theme of Potechet Yedecha? So obviously everybody knows Potechet Yedecha which is the genius of the song. That familiar line that he's using in a different way, which by the way is so typical of Yishai Ribo when you listen to his music. Every song, without fail, he has psukim, like verses from the Tanakh or lines from the tefillah that he incorporates and that you immediately know. Like even Sibat Sibot Ilat Ailot, like I said, it's from tefillah in many places. So he, he's able to weave it in. So Potechet Yadecha here, but let's see what his idea is, okay? So he starts out, it starts out on a more somber note. Al Ta'azveni, don't leave me. Now you'll notice that each one of the, each one of the paragraphs... Okay? I don't want to make you guys like music nerds that now you're going to feel like I can't listen to a song unless I take uh, the, the lyrics and I look at every paragraph and be a literary analysis. Okay? I'm just wondering what you have the time for this. <laughs> well, we chose the song, so I did this yesterday. Now, Alta Azveni. Alta Azveni. So it means don't leave me. Now look at the next paragraph. Al Tishkacheni. Don't forget me. If you look at the next one, Al Tarchikeni. Don't make me distant. Al tashlicheni, don't cast me aside. All of these are don't, in some way or another, abandon me, right? So this person is feeling what about their relationship with Hashem? Maybe, maybe nervousness, right? They, they, they want closeness, right? They're feeling like it's tenuous, the relationship, because they're saying, don't leave me, don't abandon me, don't forget me, right? Right, which is a feeling of where you're feeling vulnerable. What are we, what are we saying in the slichot? Things just like that, right? Don't forget us. Don't erase us. Don't cast us aside. All of these things we're saying at this time of slichot. So it really does fit. Al tazveni tachzikli tiad. Now you'll notice that's how it's written. It's et hayad. But in, because in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew, they drop always the e of et and they put it together as one word. So they actually write it in the lyrics as taf yudalid. It really should be et hayad, but okay. But that's not how it's actually pronounced. So it's written as it's pronounced there. Al tazveni, don't abandon me. Tachzikli et hayad. Hold my hand. Okay? 
Notice anything right there? I'm just going to stop there and see. Do you notice anything right away from that sentence? The word Yad. And what's the language that he keeps saying again and again? Okay? So right away, what is Potechet Yadecha to a Sephardic person, which he is, right? and all these guys are, what is a Potechet Yadecha Masbiyalchon associated with? Very good. Parnasa, right? They open the uh, Ashrei. See, that's the Mora. That's Mora the, the Mora thinks, of course, that it's Filah. This is Ashrei. Exactly. But what if they open their hands because they're thinking of Parnasa. Potechet Yadecha. They say it with Hamotzi also. Right? It's associated with Parnasa. That is definitely not what the song is talking about. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. He's purposely take, taking what do most people ask for from God? The material sustenance. This person speaking in the song is not looking for that. He's feeling distant from God. He's missing the spiritual closeness. Okay? He's talking about open your hand and satisfy my longing for closeness. Totally different than like you would open your hand to hold the hand of a person to reassure them that you're there, right? Like if somebody's going through a hard time and you hold their hand because you know they're going through a hard time. Now, obviously, it's a metaphor. Hashem doesn't have a physical hand. He doesn't hold it. But the concept, right? I've been alone for too long. A person feels they're distant. They're lost. Open my eyes so I can see the heavens a little bit. To know that you and I are one. So you see that? It's a beautiful way of expressing the idea. But what is he really saying? What does potechet yadecha really mean? Does it mean that Hashem makes the bread for you and puts it on the and makes you a sandwich and puts it on, the, uh, on your plate? What does it mean? A hundred percent. But the but potechet yadecha. If I say if you want something from me and I have it right, using the metaphor right, using the imagery, and I do this, what's left for you to do? You have to take it, right? I have it in my hand. You have to take it. I didn't. It doesn't say put it in my hand. It says open your hand. Open your hand means you have it. Open your hand so I can take it. Meaning it's a two way street. I have to take it. You see. So, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, open my eyes so I can see the heavens and I can know that you and I are one. Meaning I realize that what's blocking me from this connection isn't that Hashem isn't opening his hands. It's that I don't see it. See? Open my eyes so I can see the Shemaim. The Shemaim reminds us of the creator of the Shemaim. Avinu Shemaim. Right? So that's the idea, and, and we'll see that idea of, of eyes and light and seeing is the theme that he's going to use again and again. Because he's telling that, you know what people really need is not just, obviously people do need physical sustenance. You know, we're talking about Maslow's, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of uh, our basic needs and all that. Yes, we have basic needs. But a person wants to feel connected. A, a person wants to feel that they have a sense of purpose. A person wants to feel um, uh, spiritually satisfied 
not just physically. And that's the genius to me of the song, because he's talking about a totally different kind of satisfaction, right? Normally, masbia, we think of it as physical, filling the belly. Hashem gives us pranasa, physical satiation, but he's talking about the opposite. He's talking about the spiritual satiation. Now, let's go on. Al mazal. Don't forget me. Give me luck or give me good fortune, meaning give me opportunity. God gives opportunity, but we have, what happens with opportunity? Remember the guy who kept saying to Hashem, Hashem, why don't you ever let me win the lottery? And what does Hashem say? Try buying a ticket, right? Mazal only works if you, do so, if you take initiative. So again, it's that same theme. Don't forget me. Give me opportunity. Shanim shalev beliarosh me bulbal. Years that the heart without the head is confused. So what is he meaning to say what? But I don't have the insight. I don't have the insight. Exactly. My head wasn't guiding my heart. So my heart was lost. Okay? So he says, where is my sense of confusion? My sense of disconnection, abandonment, and being lost. It's coming from my own lack of perspective. It's coming from my own lack of mind. But now I'm turning to God. Bacharti elecha, which is a very funny word, because normally you would say, I chose you. Or Bacharti becha. I chose you. I chose to you. What is there besides you? Meaning, I chose to turn to you. That's what he's saying. I'm turning myself to you. We know that that's a principle in Judaism all the time. When did Moshe Rabbeinu get sent to the Jewish people? Only after they cried out to God. They were enslaved for a long time. When they cried out, then God sends them salvation. So you have to turn to God to be able to get that. If you're, if he doesn't come after you chasing you. He makes it available. Okay? And then he, start, and then he says, Hear my voice from now on. So he's talking about initiating the relationship with God. Okay? Reaching out to God, initiating the relationship to God from his, from his side. Okay? From the side of the, uh, uh, of the person. It's like he's saying, give me the tools to fill your right. blessing. Exactly. Give me the tools and then I will act on it. I'm turning towards you. I'm going to act on it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate for us. Think. No, it's okay. No, no, I want to hear. What do you mean? No, it's okay. No, okay. Uh, but then he says what? Then when he says, Then he says, Normally people say, Give me... Give me the money. Give me, uh, give me whatever. It says, Give me of your light. Okay? Now, what metaphor that he used in the first paragraph also connects to light? If you're looking at the, if you look back at the lyrics, if you have them, in the very first paragraph, there's, a, there's something there that also connects to light. The eyes. The eyes, exactly. He said, Pekach li enayim lirot I want to be able to see. So now he's give, saying, give me your light. With light we see. We also say that pasuk. Right? With your light we see light. Right? Through Hashem's light we see light. So he's saying, give me the light. Everything here really belongs to you. Meaning, if I'm able to see that everything really belongs to Hashem, everything comes from Hashem, then I can be really close to Hashem. Right? He's saying... Right, light is what allows us to see. It's not the thing you want to see. 
You don't want, to, what we always say, he'll see the light, you know. But actually you don't want to see light. Light allows you to see other things. Light allows you to see reality. So he's saying, give me light so I can see that everything really belongs to you and, I, and that's how I can connect to you. When you're able to see and experience Hashem's presence in everything. Yeah. I'll share now. Okay. <laughs> so I think when I explain Chokhmah, Binah, and Da'at, it's mm-hmm. not now, three different intelligences. Chokhmah is wisdom, Binah is understanding, and Da'at is knowledge. I teach it in more like three different levels of understanding, three different types of perception. Knowledge might be in school without information. Binah is an emotional, social tool that you use. And then Chokhmah is like a deeper wisdom, like an intuitive sense. So it's really all realms of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, he's basically saying, and when we ask for that, we're basically covering all realms of intelligence mm-hmm. that Hashem mm-hmm. give us. So in contrast to this, or in similarity to this, it's basically saying, make me, make me see that you and I are one, and that everything that I need to connect to is between me and you. <coughs> that similar right. oneness of like knowing and understanding yeah, because we can... Right, and I think... I, I hear what you're saying. And I think it's definitely true. Part, a lot of what wisdom is, a lot of what knowledge is, right? A lot of what discovery is, is recognizing how things are interconnected. Right? Right. That's, that's what... Like, when, you, when you're teaching, you're showing students or children how to make connections between different things, right? Like, when a child realizes that not... Let's say, you know, a little child. They say, in the beginning, they call every animal dog. Dog, dog, dog. Then they say, oh no, there's horse, there's dog. But they are connected, they're all animals, right? So you, you distinguish between things, but ultimately you see that everything is interconnected. And a lot, and really that's even what science is. I mean, in Torah, that's what Torah is. We're always trying to find the connections between the different ideas, the different uh, mitzvot, the different stories, the different halachot. We try to see how they all interconnect, right? And the same is true with science. What does science do? They observe something here. They observe something there. They try to figure out how it's all interconnected. It's all really part of one tapestry, right? It's not all independent and, and uh, isolated phenomena. They're all interrelated. So when you look at what... So when, when a person sees in everything the hand of God, they see that everything really belongs to God, meaning to say that everything... It's all your creation. You could feel disconnected from God because you, you don't see in your experience right now the presence of God. You don't see it. You don't perceive it. But actually, it's always there. Because in the chair I'm sitting on, there are millions of molecules going around all according to the laws of God, you know, that God put into nature. Every little thing that we observe, that doesn't mean that everything is hashkacha pratit, that everything is specifically uh, a divine intervention. That means that everything that we see is created by God. Everything that we see, like the Ramban says very beautifully, he says a person who is really b- believes in Hashem doesn't make that much of a distinction between miracles and nature. Everything is a miracle. It's a miracle how your body works. It works that way consistently, but it's a miracle, right? So you, pre- and like, uh, uh, like David HaMelech said, from my body, in my own flesh, I see Hashem, right? That's a, a very famous pasuk in Tehilim. From my, in my own flesh, I see Hashem, meaning in the workings of your body, you see God. If you see in everything God's handiwork and God's presence, then you don't feel disconnected. But we lose that. We lose that uh, clarity, Right? And that's, I think, a lot of what he's talking about. 
And again he repeats, Everything here is yours. To be close today. Which means, and this is a very, very interesting and very, a uh, thing about Teshuvah. Because a person, it's true that change takes time. But change in perspective can actually happen, is, can be transformative, can happen in a moment. A new insight can happen in a moment. A new perspective can happen in a moment. You can be introduced to a new idea or a new way of looking at things and it can change you instantaneously. That's the power of the mind and the soul to do that. You know? Yeah, there are certain things that take a while, like habits take a while to get, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, let's say, uh, implement new habits in your lifestyle and things. That takes a while. And maybe to build up, if you're working on something, let's say when in your health and, or, or, or if you're studying something and you're learning slowly, slowly, you're mastering a skill or you're learning a new topic, it takes time. It does take time. But a new insight that's transformative can be in a moment. Like the Rambam even says, he says the person, the Baal Teshuvah, yesterday he was very distant from Hashem. He uses that exact language. He says yesterday the person was distant from Hashem. Today he's close and beloved and a friend and, 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 in, and has an intimate connection to God. How did it happen? Because an internal change can happen in a moment. And that's what he's talking about. Okay? So let's move to the next part. He says, this time it's Altar Chikeni. So the first time he talked about, don't leave me, don't forget me. Now he says, don't make a distance between us. Halachti maspik. I've, been, I've walked enough. Right? I put I traveled enough when I translated it because walked enough sounded a little bit too... I don't know, lowbrow, but maybe it's more accurate, right? How is it possible for the soul to, to make it, okay? Thirsting for water. Do you think he means, uh, do you think he means uh, this kind of water of Poland Spring? He's not talking about Poland Spring, right? A lot of times water in Tanakh is used. Like the Navi says, Yeshayahu says, all the thirsty people should go for water, meaning... Not this kind of water. Talking about spiritual thirst, right? The Torah is called water. Okay? po <coughs> adayin. It's still dark here. Okay? What do you see there? What, what, what is the darkness? How that fits into that same metaphor we were saying before of light, of sight, right? He's talking now about a feeling of darkness. He still feels the darkness. And the soul can't go on. I haven't thrown up my hands, literally, it means. I haven't given up because I have you. So what is this person experiencing? They still have that feeling of darkness and of distance. Okay? And they don't give up because they still have that relationship to God. But they feel lost. They know that it lies with them to, they're thirsting for something. They're seeking that light to be able to have that transformation to deepen or intensify or reconcile in the relationship with Hashem. But they're not there yet. And then he says, Al tashlicheni gam lo bin uai. Now, this is a very calculated lyric here because the real pasuk is, Al tashlicheni le'et zikna. Right? Don't, don't throw me away. Don't cast me aside when I get old. Where? That's a pasuk. In Tehilim. Oh. Right? When, I, when my kichlot uh, kochi, when my strength uh, runs out, don't abandon me. 
right? So, <coughs> so al tashlicheni leziknas. So he says, al tashlicheni gam lo binurai. Don't cast me aside even in my youth. Okay, so he's doing that on purpose. Because why does it say even in my youth? Because the average Hebrew literate person who reads it will, when they say al tashlicheni, they're going to immediately think of al tashlicheni leetzikna. Don't. It's it's in the Yom Kippur prayer also. It's a very famous line. Thing we actually read on Yom Kippur night, right? Um, Al tashlichenu, we usually say in the in the plural. Al tashlichenu leitzikna kechlot kochenu al tazvenu. We say it in the in the prayers. Yeah. So, he, but so he's using that he's using that hint on purpose. He's saying, don't don't cast me aside, even in my youth. Okay. Al tashlicheni gam lo benuai v'ten chelkenu. Now, what does v'ten chelkenu usually? V'toratecha. Right? We always say, V'ten chelkinu v'toratecha. Right? He's borrowing from the tefilot. Al-tashlicheni, we would usually say, or al-tashlicheni, le'edzikna. He changes it, gam lo benuai. Also, when I'm young, don't cast me aside. V'ten chelkinu, we think, v'toratecha. He says, kol yom halavai, every day. If only we could have it every day. Now, what kind of a portion is he talking about here? We're talking about Torah. That's it's using v'ten chelkenu. Anybody who sees v'ten chelkenu, we all know, right? We always sing. It's even a song, isn't it? Don't they sing it? Um, um, no, it's on Shabbat. We say uh, we say sim chelkenu v'toratach, and then on the yamim tovim we say ten chelkenu v'toratach, right? But the idea is give us our portion. It's talking about the spiritual portion. It's not talking about the physical, right? So he's saying, don't abandon me even in my youth. Meaning a person, he, this person doesn't feel abandoned because they're, they're l- lacking energy and they're, and they're reaching old age and they feel like they no longer can give and they feel like they no longer can do what they once did and therefore they're not able to muster the energy. This is a person who's young and feels lost and feels alienated. So he's saying, even in my youth I can be lost because it's not about the physical age of the person, it's about the mental state or the existential crisis that he's going through. So to speak. Okay, so he's saying, uh, you know, give us our portion every day. He's not talking about the portion of food. He's talking about the spiritual portion. To you are my lips. I want you to think about this, this lyric for a second, what he's trying to get at here. Okay? My lips belong to you a moment or two. In bit, and meanwhile, my soul is writing to you in the meantime. What is he trying to say? He's saying, my lips are to you only a moment or two. My soul is writing to you in between. What? Something like that. But he's saying something positive now, I think, isn't he? Because he's saying, my lips belong to you a moment or two. What does that mean, my lips belong to you a moment or two? But my soul is writing to you in between. What does it mean? Exactly. He's saying, the moments that we, right, this, the time that we spend articulating things, if we're looking at it at the surface, it's a few moments. You say, brachot, you pray here or there, you know, you do certain actions or expressions, formal expressions of your acknowledgement of God. You do it for a moment or two, not literally a moment or two, hopefully it takes a little bit longer than that. Um, but it's, it's, it's minimal relative to the inner, he's talking about an inner yearning. Right? My, what do you think his soul is writing to God? Love letter, some expression of his passion to connect to God, his, his, his thoughts about Hashem, 
are welling up in him, that's really where it's at, right? Not to look at the surface of the, the amount of time quantitatively or physically that I'm expressing my relationship with God, but to realize that my soul is writing to you. Now, writing to you can mean, what, when do we write to a person? When we're not with them. I mean, nowadays you text someone sitting right next to you. I'm not talking about that. You know, you, you write to someone that you're far away from, especially in, you know, classically, right? You write to somebody that you're not with right now. You write them a letter and you send it in the olden days. You know, now you write an email, but still it's somebody that you're not right next to. So the idea that my soul, that my, my lips belong to you, meaning my, I say words, but my soul is writing to you. What does it mean? My soul feels distant and is trying to communicate, is reaching out, right? When you're writing, you're trying to reach out, okay? This is the most, this is the most upbeat thing that he's saying because he's saying my soul is reaching out to you. My soul is writing to you. It's so to speak writing a letter, right? Writing a love letter, writing a letter about how much I miss you. You know, the distance is causing my soul to yearn for you and he's using this metaphor of language that my lips belong to you only a moment or two but my soul in between is always writing to you, meaning thinking of you, yearning for you, the way that we write to somebody that we're far away from physically, but we want to be connected to. And that's what's going on inside of me. And then, he, and then the refrain is again, that Hashem opens, you open your hand and we ask for your light. Okay? So the theme of all of this, and I think it's a very, very beautiful theme, and it's a very high holidays theme, is the idea that a person experiences distance from God because they don't have clarity, because they don't have light, because they see their environment or the things in their environment or the, the, you know, the, the physical aspects of our existence. They see them somehow as a, as a buffer between us and God or a, something that blocks between us and God. They don't see it as a reflection of our relationship with God. So there's a disconnect. We feel... Uh, we feel that, you know, we're, you know, we feel lost or we feel alienated, we feel distant, we feel forgotten. But we don't realize that actually Hashem's hand is open. And if we turn towards God and we yearn for that light and we yearn for that insight, it's going to be made available to us. Hashem makes it available to us. And it, it's all about us changing our orientation, changing the way that we think changing, and, th- and that's a lot of also what the shofar is about. Really, the shofar is a cry, but what is the cry? The cry of the person who feels distant from God, who wants to bridge the gap between themselves and Hashem in a way we're expressing it with a primal cry of a, of a shofar because even our words are not enough. But I think that actually fits really beautifully with what he's saying here because he's saying my words are one thing. My words are limited. It's a minute or two of words. But what's really in my soul, my soul is what's writing to you. My soul is what's composing and, and transforming itself and, and, and sending out this message and, 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 and experiencing this, this striving to be close to God. That's really what the shofar is. The shofar is expressing that, um, that feeling in the soul of yearning to connect to God. And that, that's, you know, that's what he's talking about here. So a person who, is, who definitely you know, uses the Chodesh Elul for that, you know, towards that end. That's really what, what the purpose of Elul and of the beginning of Tishrei is. That we feel that we become disconnected. We have a lot of things in our lives that have become obstacles in our relationship with God because we've allowed them to become disconnected from God because we don't see them in the right light. Because we don't relate to them in the right way. 
But Hashem makes available to us what we really need to feel satisfied, which is not physical things, because physical things come and go, but is that satisfaction of having a relationship with Hashem, of having a sense of direction and purpose and fulfillment where it really counts, and that that's what we're yearning for. And that yearning can't be quantified in physical terms or in terms of words or in anything else, but it really has to come from, uh, it's, re- it's really something that is in the depths of the soul and is really something that's in the mind, that the mind, once it's able to see the light, so to speak, is able to transform itself and, uh, and transform the person. So I think it's a very, very beautiful song. Very appropriate to Elul. Any, uh, any questions?